Yeah, I, I was just thinking uh, one of the quotes, uh, my favorite quotes, I, I, I've forgotten who said it is, God is more glorified in us uh, when we are. We are back. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, God is more glorified in us when we are more satisfied in him. And it is the call of God for us that we totally, totally depend on him. That is what he wants. That is his desire for us, that we will totally depend on him. But sometimes it's not easy because we struggle, because we think that we know better, we can do better. But God's plan for us is that we will completely depend and rely on him. And that is when he is more glorified in us. Because then we are not doing our own thing, but completely relying on us. This morning I'm happy to continue with our series that we started a few weeks ago about um, the heart of God, the father heart of God. And it is so good because... That is what God is intending to communicate to us. Since creation, God intended to communicate his heart for us. And he worked out from creation to now. And his agenda is always to communicate his heart of love for us. So today I want to look at forgiveness. And looking at it as forgiveness from the perspective of God and our response to the forgiveness of God. I have to admit to you, I feel so unprepared this morning because I'm always a last-minute person and I, I, I always leave things till last minute, but this time around, I left things to last minute. <laughs> and so my thoughts are not lined up this morning, but I'm totally depending on God to empower me this morning to speak to you about his heart. So I'm guided by two texts. One is in Genesis uh, chapter 50, another one is Matthew 18. So if you pay attention, it's going to be a little bit of a reading. Genesis 50 says, verse 14, After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrongs we did him, they said. So they sent a message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God, of your father, beg you to forgive the sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, 
but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. I'm also going to read from Matthew 18. The Bible says from verse 21, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of God can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to debt with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay back the debt. But the man fell before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave him the debt. But when the man left the king, he went to his fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the, th the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man that he had forgiven and said to him, You evil servant, I forgave you that treacherous debt that you had, when you had pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's the word of God. Now, I think I need to put a little bit context of our stories today, starting with the first story that we read from Genesis 50. Joseph had 11 brothers. Now, 10 of these brothers, years and years back before this story, they had sold him into slavery in Egypt because they didn't like him before, because their father Jacob favored him. Now, that anger that they had, that resentment that they had against Joseph made them sell him into slavery. Now, Joseph went into slavery and he experienced many difficulties while in slavery in Egypt. He was serving at his master's house when he was accused of rape and he was put in prison. He stayed in prison for many days, for many years. But God was with him despite the troubles that befell him. To the point that God elevated him to a place of a prince in the kingdom of Egypt. He was second to only the king himself. So when Joseph was in a place of favor, there was hunger that had bro broke out and drought that had broke out throughout the land. And his brothers, hearing that there is food in Egypt, had come to Egypt to find out if they could find food. Less did they know that 
whoever was in charge of the food and whoever was in charge of the kingdom was their brother who they had sold into slavery. But Joseph did not have anger or resentment against his brothers. He welcomed them. He loved them. He offered them food. And in the end, he revealed himself to them without any grudges against them. And he brought all of them back to Egypt with all their possession, with all their families and with their father. And he gave them land and they never suffered the drought that was covering the land. Now, many years later, after Joseph has looked after them, after he has cared for them, after he has done good to them, now their father is dead. When their father dies, the brothers think that Joseph was only loving them and taking care of them because of their father and not because of his genuine love and forgiveness towards them. So they decide we're going to send messengers to Joseph because Joseph has not forgiven us. We're going to go and plead our case so that he can forgive us. And as I was thinking about this, it is so typical of us. Our heavenly father has forgiven us once and for all. He has laid down his son who has died for our sins. Our sins are forgiven and forgotten. But we are never convinced at times that we are forgiven. When something happens in our life, we divert our minds through our fears, through our doubts, and we feel like our father has not forgiven us. And these fears and doubts make us not be able to approach our heavenly father to just come and enjoy and live in that forgiveness. So we keep away. We keep away from the sight of our heavenly father. And instead of approaching him, we send messages. When we are accompanied by problems, instead of saying, I'm going to pray and speak to my heavenly father, we say, can you please pray for me? Can someone else please speak to the father on my behalf? Because we consider ourselves not worthy at that moment to be able to speak to our father because we feel like he has not forgiven us. Because we are doubting his forgiveness. And that is a place where these brothers were. They were doubting. They were not trusting that their brother had forgiven them. So you might be here this morning. You've had that kind of a week whereby you did one thing that was wrong and you felt like the thing that you did has disconnected you to your heavenly father. And through the week, you've just been kind of walking away trying to avoid contact with your heavenly father. And sometimes we do that, and throughout the week, the father is beckoning us to come, but we are just running away and walking off away. Why? Because we feel like my father had forgiven me, and my heart is not right, so I cannot approach him, because this thing is heavy on my shoulders. But then we come to church on a Sunday, and we sing a few songs, so they puff our spirit up and they encourage us, then we feel, okay, now I'm at a right place to speak to my heavenly father. There isn't nothing wrong with that because God wants us to come anytime that we can come. 
But we are missing out the richness, the, 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 the juice, the, the glory of our Heavenly Father through our life because we are waiting for so long in our fears, in our doubts, in our anxiety, thinking that God is not going to receive us. We send people and we say, can you pray for me because my heart is just away. When God is saying, you are wasting your time away, you could have come immediately. You could have come because I would have received you. So if that is you this morning, where your heart is walking away, I want to tell you, come very quickly because the forgiveness of the Father is present with us, is present with you every single minute. So when Joseph heard this, Joseph's heart just breaks because he looks at his brothers and he's like, why don't you get it? Why can't you get it? Because previously, in, in Genesis chapter 45, he had forgiven them. And he had told them when they came and he revealed himself to them, he told them, I am Joseph. And they were all terrified. They were shaking. And he told them, no, 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 no. Do not be afraid. I will look after you. I will care for you. Yes, you sold me into slavery thinking that you are doing me evil. But God was there with me. God guided me. God protected me. God led me. So I'm not going to show any heart among you. I'm not going to show my anger around you. But I'm going to love you and take care of you. He had forgiven them years and years later. But they did not believe that they have been forgiven. I got to ask us this morning, do we believe we have been forgiven? Do we surely believe that the Father has forgiven us? Because he has. And if we are walking in shame, we are walking in guilt, we are walking in fear, thinking that we are not forgiven, the Father has already released his forgiveness upon us. We just have to walk and grab it and receive it. So we see the father's heart of forgiveness through Joseph. Joseph brings them around and says, do not worry, my brothers. I will look after you. I will care for you. I will delight in you. I will look after your children and your wives. Do not worry, because I will look after you. God says to us in Psalm 103 that as far as the east is from the west, that is how far he has removed our transgression from us. We remind ourselves these things going through our hearts, refusing to approach our heavenly father, but father is saying, I've forgotten that. I don't remember your sins anymore. He tells us in Hebrews 8 that for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins anymore. So we got just to believe and take that forgiveness that is available to us. We receive forgiveness by honestly for, for confessing and trusting in God's power to forgive us because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. He says in 1 John 1, he says, if we repent and confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us. So if you are feeling any resentment, any fear of approaching your father because of the things that are holding your heart, God is saying, just confess. Confess that thing that is dragging you down and keeping you away from me. Confess it, repent it. And the moment you do that, 
My forgiveness is available for you to receive. He has given us his forgiveness by his blood. It is free forgiveness, but it is not cheap. Because Christ died for it. So when we receive it, we need to live in that forgiveness. Because when we resent that forgiveness and not trust God, we are cheapening the work of Christ on the cross. And Christ died so that we can be free and not live in bondage. So how can we respond to this forgiveness? We got to receive it first by confessing and believing in Jesus. But there is another thing we need to do, even as we receive this forgiveness. Jesus is saying we have to forgive others. So he's, he, he, in, in Matthew chapter 18, the, the, not the next text I read, so Peter has a question and he comes to Jesus and he says, how many times should I forgive my brother who wrongs against me? Seven times? And I, I believe that Peter was thinking that this is very impressive. If I have to forgive someone seven times, this is really impressive. So he's kind of, I believe, looking at an affirmation from Jesus, for Jesus to say, oh yeah, that's pretty good. Seven times, hmm, that's fine. But I can just see the disappointment of Peter when Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times, seven times. What Jesus is saying here is that it is not a matter of counting how many times, but it is unlimited forgiveness. Just keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving. And I can just see the tents in the room or in outside where these disciples are or where Peter is, and Peter is like, seriously? 70 times 7, and I can see him kind of trying to do mathematics, and he wasn't good at math, he was a fisherman, and he's trying to do the math and thinking. But then Jesus, seeing the heart of Peter, decides to tell a parable. So he tells a parable and says that there was a king who decided to bring his accounts together, and he calls one of his servants who owed him millions of pounds. And he told this servant, pay back. But the servant knew that he doesn't have money to pay. He didn't have millions to pay. So the king said, all right, I'm going to sell you and your wife and your children into slavery until the money is paid. Just a bit of information here. In those days, in those times, if you had a debt and you could not pay it, you could sell yourself into slavery Work out until you pay the debt. So slavery wasn't as bad as slavery in the modern age that we know. Slavery was like a normal way of life, kind of going to, you know, debtscape nowadays, you know, finding help to pay your, your debts. So this servant could not have paid this money, even if he would have been sold with his wife and children. It was gigantic amount of money, if that is something. <laughs> But the master fell pity on him. When the servant fell down on his knees and said, oh, please, give me time. Give me time, I'll pay back. Give me time. The master, heart of compassion, fell on the servant. And he said, okay, 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 don't cry. Don't cry. Get up. You know what? Forget it. You owe me nothing. 
Just go free, enjoy your life. The debt is paid. You don't have to sell your children, your wife. Go enjoy your life. Live free. And I can see the joy of this servant as his debt is being forgiven. And he goes, he's like, wow, I am debt free. And instead of enjoying and going and singing the praises of his master, what does he do as he's going, jumping up and down? He sees another servant who owed him money. So probably those days when he had millions, he had borrowed a little bit of thousands, you know, thrown the crumbs to his fellow servant and said, okay, have this, you are in trouble. So the moment he saw that servant, he lashed at him. And he grabbed him by the throat and said, man, you're going to pay me back every single penny. And his fellow servant fell down on his knees and he was like, I don't have money. Please give me time. I'm going to pay you back. I promise I'm going to pay you back. But he said, no way. I'm throwing you in jail. You have to pay me my money. But other servants were watching him as he does this. And they look and they say, how dare he? He has just been forgiven. So they run back and they tell the master, this is what has happened. And I can just see the anger of the master boiling within him. And it's like, I cannot believe this. This is a man that I have just forgiven his debt. Millions and millions of pounds. How dare he not forgive his fellow servant? So he calls him before him. And he says, now I'm going to throw you in prison. You're going to be tortured until you pay me every single penny. So Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, that is the punishment that awaits you. You are not going to be forgiven. But let us look at it realistically. He owed millions and millions of pounds. He has been thrown in prison to be tortured to pay. He couldn't pay when he was outside prison, when he could have worked, when he could have borrowed to pay. But now he is in prison. He is restricted. He is being tortured. How is he going to pay? He's never going to pay that debt. And Jesus is saying, that man's life, that's it. It's end of him. His goose has been, has been cooked. His case has been finalized. It is the Supreme Court decision. There is no more appeal for his case. And he is warning us and telling us, don't resent in your hearts others. Don't hold on forgiveness because if you do, then I will not forgive you. Because I have already forgiven you by giving my life so that you can have the freedom that you have. So if you hold forgiveness and you live in an unforgiving state, then you will not be forgiven. But it is good in this story we see even the mercy and the love of God. When the man had the debt and he was yet to be forgiven, the, the, the master had told him, I will throw you in jail with your wife and your children. But we see the mercy of the master when the master says him, you will go to prison. But he doesn't say, your wife and your children, I'm sending them to prison. What does that tell us? It is a personal responsibility. You alone, you will be accountable singularly. You will be accountable 
for what you are doing, for what is in your heart, for your unforgiveness. You are not going to drag anybody else in it. You are not going to say, it is because so and so did this to me, or so and so behaved like this. God is not calling you for the responsibilities of other people. He's calling you for your own responsibility and accountability. And so, we are called to forgive. Someone said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. It is such a heavy thing to carry in your heart. Because the resentment and the pain that you are carrying, expecting that the other person is getting hurt because you are carrying the pain and the resentment, I've got news for you. They are not being hurt. They, they might not even be thinking about it or remembering it. But you are carrying that burden every day. You are carrying that pain every day. Thinking that just because I am angry with him, I'm hurting them. Just because I'm angry with her, I'm hurting them. No, you are not. You are hurting yourself. And the goodness and the love of God is that he wants to set us free. He is saying, I don't want you to hold that. I want to set you free to enjoy, to love, to feel peace and joy and love. So, Chuck that out. Don't worry about whether the other person appreciates it or not. You chuck it. It is business between you and God, not the other person. You don't need even to go to the other person and say, I have forgiven you. You don't need to do that. You speak to your heavenly father, speak to your father and say, today I am choosing to forgive ABC. ABC might continue doing crazy things, mocking you, doing all sorts of things, but you choose to say, I am forgiving them. And your heavenly father will sort out whoever it is that you are having problems with. So, even as I come to a close, I just want us to have a time of reflection. Because unforgiveness is something that really denies the joy of experiencing the fulfillment of the glory and the splendor and the presence of our heavenly father. Because it is always stopping us to draw near. One thing that I said in my life and so many people say when they are called to serve, when they are called to minister, they will say, oh, I, I cannot do it. They will always point to someone else and say, oh, Keith can do it better. Oh, Cornelius can do it better. Ask Cornelius, ask Keith. Why do people say that? People say that because there is something in them that tells them you are not good enough. You are not good enough, so you cannot come. You are not good enough because you cannot sing, you cannot preach, you cannot serve others. You are not good enough. So, God, you send someone else because I am not good enough. Why are you saying that? Because there is something in you that you haven't repented. And God is saying, you are good enough. I have made you good enough. I have died so that you are good enough. It is not about your righteousness, but I have robbed you into the righteousness of Christ. And when I look at you, I don't see Adrian. I don't see Maureen. I see Jesus because I have robbed you in your righteousness. So he said, approach me. You just come. Come as you are. Come because my heart is open wide. My arms are open wide. You come. 
But that thing, the unforgiveness in us, that sin in us, the unrepentance in us will tell us, no, you are not good enough, so please don't go. Send someone else. And I just want us to open our hearts, even as God opens our hearts to see what is it that is in inside that is stopping me from fully coming into his presence. May the Holy Spirit open our hearts. And if there is anything in our hearts that is stopping us to know that we are good enough, may we chuck it in the name of Jesus. And may the Lord set us free so that we can be empowered to say, God, I'm going to go and minister to others. God, I'm going to go where you are sending me. God, I'm going to be in that place of position whereby when someone comes to me and they are talking to me, I'll be in a position to tell them about Jesus. I'll be in a position to tell them my testimony. I'll be in a position to say, I'm going to pray for you for whatever it is you are going through. I won't, I won't say, let me wait and sing a few songs so that I am, I am in a good position. Or let me wait till Sunday that I have gathered with other believers that we have worshipped together and I'm going out, I'm feeling like I've been refreshed. Or let me wait so that I can go read my Bible. But we will say, I am ready every minute of the day for God to use me because he has empowered me by forgiving me and making me righteous. I want to invite Matt just to play one more last song. So even as Matt plays, I have a few things that I just want you to ponder. Do you need God's forgiveness in any area of your life? If you need God's forgiveness in any area of your life, ask him. Just confess it to him right now and turn away from it because his forgiveness is instant for you this morning. Have you been hurt in the past and you cannot bring yourself to forgive someone? Forgiveness is a command. It's not a request. Jesus is commanding you and saying, you forgive that person. It's not based on your feelings. It is not based on where your heart is. He's saying, make a choice to listen to my command and say, I'm going to forgive. Then see what I'm going to do. Are you there like the brothers who don't know that you have been forgiven? You are living in constant anxiety and fear to approach your heavenly father because you think you are not good enough. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will just stir your heart to know the love of the Father that we have been singing this morning. To know that He loves you. He cherishes you. He sings songs over you. He delights in you. And He wants you to be His own. Have you forgiven someone who keeps mocking you with their character, with their behavior? And you ask yourself, why did I even forgive them in the first place? Continue forgiving them. Continue bringing them before God every day and just see what God can do. So, as smart plays, I just want you to do business with Jesus and just align his heart with your heart, with what he wants for you. Shall we pray?